It is good to be with you all on this glorious Sunday morning in South Florida. Today is the first Sunday in the season of Lent. Lent stretches from Ash Wednesday this past week to all the way to Easter, 40 days. Many Christians approach the season of Lent as a time of deprivation. They give up or try to give up sweets, alcohol, or social media, for example. Ironically, though, the roots of Lent point us in the opposite direction, to take something on, to take on spiritual disciplines, spiritual practices, fasting, prayer, service, and study. It's a time to examine our lives, to reset our priorities. This year for Lent, as a church family, we are going to take on Lent in plain sight. Our adult Christian education team has created a wonderful Lenten experience for us, which begins this Wednesday, and we hope you will join us. Before we go too far, I have a confession. I like Lent. That's my confession. It's not that I can't wait for Lent each year. No, I can wait. But I do like Lent because it forces us to strip down to the basics, to think about what matters most. In the wilderness, we find out pretty quickly what's important to us and who we are. To be honest, we are bombarded, all of us, by the things of the world that tell us who we are and who we should be. Today, our scripture passage takes us to the heart of who we are. Lent is challenging, but if we choose to, it's honest, it's authentic, it's pure, it's true, it's refreshing, and it can be rewarding. Almost always, we come out more like ourselves and more of who God wants us to be. Our text this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, the fourth chapter, beginning with verse 1. And I invite you to listen for the word of the Lord. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, All these I will give you, 
if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The waiting room is a precarious place where things could fall apart at any time. It is also a space of great hope where many prayers are said, sung, cried, or whispered. This is, of course, God's waiting room. Most times, we find ourselves in the waiting room without a choice. We've all been there, whether waiting for a new job, pacing the floor of a hospital waiting room, longing for a word of hope that your loved one will survive. Maybe you are seated outside a courtroom waiting to hear the verdict. Sometimes the waiting room is wherever you are, waiting for your circumstances to change, waiting to move into your new home, waiting for resolution in a relationship, waiting for God to show up, waiting for a phone call that brings relief. We all have to wait. And often, there are other places we would rather be. In our scripture passage for today, Jesus is in God's waiting room, the wilderness, as we heard in the NRSV. Though in the message, Eugene Peterson says Jesus was taken into the wild. The Spirit drove Jesus there, where he spent 40 days and 40 nights. Jesus was tempted by Satan, and angels watched over him. That's basically Mark's version of Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. Mark doesn't tell us what really happened. But Matthew gives us more details. So does Luke. Matthew and Luke remind us that even the devil quotes scripture. But Jesus knows more. Not only does Jesus quote scripture, Jesus lives it. He knows how to apply what the Bible says. When the devil offers bread, power, and protection, Jesus says no. Instead, he focuses on worshiping and serving God and doing God's will. By the end of the story, Jesus passed the test and he's free to go. As I wrestled with our text for today, I couldn't help but think about the place where Jesus was tested. The Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness, the wild, or God's waiting room. If we are honest, we've all been there before. Do you remember a time when you didn't know what to do? You were struggling. You may have been depressed. You didn't know how to get out of the situation you were in. You felt alone, confused, scared, maybe even without hope. It doesn't sound like fun, does it? I have been there more than once. When I was in my 20s, I was accepted into a doctoral program in information systems and decision sciences. Others told me it would be a good fit for me, 
information systems was a growing field. Laptops were being introduced. And if I finished, the world would be my oyster. So I went for it. I completed the coursework without too much trouble. And then I started my doctoral dissertation. That's also when I entered the wilderness, a lot longer than 40 days. I wandered through the stacks in the library looking for direction. More importantly, I wandered through my life not knowing what I was doing and why. Oh, I had planned for it. I signed up for it. But somehow, I found myself in the wilderness. It was then that I was forced to look into the mirror, to look inside, to listen to my heart, and to wrestle with who I am. What do I really want in life? What is God calling me to do and be in this world? Sooner or later, every one of us will find ourselves in God's waiting room, asking important questions like, who am I? What is my purpose in life? There's no wait list for God's waiting room because no one ever wants to go there. And when we find ourselves there, we don't want to stay there. The wilderness. God's waiting room. That's where we find ourselves in Lent. When we find ourselves in the wilderness, we are faced with significant questions about our identity. Who are we as Christ followers and as a church, First Presbyterian Church of Fort Lauderdale, and as the Church of Jesus Christ? In God's waiting room, we almost always learn more about ourselves and God as we discover what it means to be a child of God. When I look back on my wilderness experience in my 20s, I realize that I wrestled hard with who I am. Not just what I want to do when I grow up, but big questions like, how did I get here? Who am I anyway? What is my calling in life? Jesus also faced questions of identity in the wilderness. Our text for today immediately follows the baptism of Jesus when a voice from heaven reveals his special identity. This is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. One commentator noted, as Jesus is tempted, he must decide what this identity means as the Son of God. What will be the character of the Son of God? Likewise, we are given an identity at our baptism as a child of God, and we must decide how we will live into this character. In other words, who are we, really? In today's world, there are a lot of voices telling us what we should do. Parents with good intentions attempt to steer their children towards prosperity. Social media inundates us with societal norms and tells us what we should be doing. I have noticed that our identity is challenged the most 
when life is hard, when we spend time in the wilderness, or God's waiting room. As a hospital chaplain and pastor, I spend a lot of time in hospital waiting rooms with family members who are obliged to reflect on what's really important in life. I guess that can sound like bad news, but it does force us to become real, to face the realities of life. God's waiting room, otherwise known as the wilderness or the wild, is one of the most authentic, life-changing spaces there is. And it can also be a very spiritual place. Lent is one of those spaces. We knew it was coming. And for us, it's not a crisis. It's an opportunity. We are in God's waiting room together. Lent provides us with the opportunity to reflect, wrestle, and embrace the realities of life and to look into our hearts while not in a state of crisis. Lent is a time to reflect on who we are and what we believe. This, my friends, is actually a gift. Who are we? Who are you? Who am I? What do we stand for as Christians? What will our legacy be? How is Lent going to change us for good? Will it? After 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness, Jesus got some clarity about who he was and what he believed. During those 40 days, Jesus grew. It was a struggle. Jesus was famished. The wilderness is not for the faint of heart. It forces us to face our own mortality and to examine our lives. What do we value as individuals and as a church? And how do we demonstrate what we believe? My mother was my first theology teacher. When I was three or four years old, I learned a lesson about life and bubblegum. When we were little, my mom used to take my siblings and me to town for our weekly trip for food shopping and other errands. On one such memorable trip, after getting groceries, mom had loaded the bags and the kids into the back seat of the car. When we were on our way home, mom happened to look into the rearview mirror and saw her middle child trying to blow bubbles. She immediately pulled the car over and stopped and said, Pamela Jean, where did you get that gum? And then we did a very quick 180 back to the grocery store to meet the store manager and to explain that somehow a piece of bubble gum ended up in my mouth. I have not forgotten that day, and it taught me and my siblings an important lesson about doing the right thing, even when my mother wasn't watching. Life tells us that we can have everything. Jesus says that we have to manage our appetites, our whims, and our desires. The word tempted in our passage can also mean tested. And we often think of testing as how much you've learned, like sitting in a desk with a number two pencil. But the kind of testing we find today is done to see what we are made of. 
Who are you? Who am I? Like my first theology teacher who wanted me and my siblings to know who we are and what we are about. Lent is a time of reflection to remember who we are, what we are made of, and what we really believe. The world tells us who we are. Your transcript says it all. You are a good student, or maybe you were not. The world tells you what you are like. The Myers-Briggs type indicator is an assessment of personality, which is based on questions about a person's preferences. Based on a personality topology created by psychoanalyst Carl Jung, in a simple 4 by 4 grid, you can find out who you are. I am an ISTJ. Or how about this? You can be who you truly want to be by exploring your Enneagram type for greater self-awareness, inner peace, and compassion for yourself and others during challenging times. I'm a six, in case you were wondering. The Enneagram personality test is actually quite interesting, and you, too, can discover who you are online. In the wilderness, however, you find out pretty quickly what you are made of. The devil found out what Jesus was made of. Written on his heart, Jesus quoted scripture. One does not live by bread alone. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Worship the Lord your God and serve only the Lord. Quoting from the book of Deuteronomy. Jesus is the Son of God, no matter how great the test or how great the cost. Jesus only did what God wanted him to do. Jesus lived by the word. So what about us? Are we doing what God wants us to do? What are we made of? Who are you? Who am I? According to scripture, we are created in the image of God. We are all God's children. So since we are children of God, then what does that mean? When we find ourselves in the wilderness, what do we do? How do we respond? And what does that say about you and about me? Carlo Coretto was a monk who wrote about his experiences in the wilderness. In a book called The God Who Comes, he wrote, In our community, the other day, there wasn't much coffee. Now, coffee does me good down here in the desert. It helps me. I am old. I was worried about not having any, about spending a few hours feeling dull and weak. And so, without perceiving the evil I was doing, I went into the kitchen before the others and drank up all that was left. Afterwards, having suffered all day and made my confession, I thought in shame of my selfishness, of the ease with which I had excluded my two brothers from those black, bitter remains. It seems a tiny thing, yet in that cup of coffee taken and not shared with my brothers is the root of all the evil which disturbs us, 
the poison of all the arrogance which selfishness, riches, and power create. The difference between me and Jesus is right here, Coretto says, in an affair that seems simple but isn't at all. After a whole lifetime, it is still there to make you think. Jesus would have left the coffee for his brother. I did not. End quote. Coffee and bubblegum. Bubblegum and coffee. We are constantly reminded and tempted to love ourselves more than we love God or others. But friends, Jesus says that the most important thing in life is to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love others as much as we love ourselves. And so it is with Lent that we find ourselves once again in God's waiting room to ask important questions. Will you leave some coffee for your coworkers? Will you cheat on your taxes this year? Will you hit the snooze button on Sunday morning? Will you take a piece of bubblegum from the checkout line? Will you be fully present to your daughter as she worries about an important life decision, or will you surf the internet half listening? Some decisions are small, and some are big. But the real question is, are you becoming more and more like you, created in God's image, living into the child of God that God wants you to become. Ready or not, friends, Lent is here. We are in God's waiting room together, and we are all God's children. Lent is challenging, but we can do hard things. One of my favorite theologians, besides my mother, is Frederick Beekner, and he asks some poignant questions about what it means to be ourselves. When you look at your face in the mirror, what do you see in it that you most like, and what do you see in it that you most deplore? If you had only one last message to leave to the handful of people who are most important to you, what would it be in 25 words or less? Of all the things you have done in your life, which is the one you would most like to undo? And which is the one that makes you happiest to remember? And finally, if this were the last day of your life, what would you do with it? When you try to answer questions like these, you are thinking about not only who you are, but who you are becoming. And so, my friends, in this season of Lent, let's grow together and live authentic lives, becoming who we are called to do and be, both as individuals and as a church. 
There are 36 days to go, but who's counting? And remember, Easter is coming. Friends, Easter is coming. Let's pray. Good and gracious God, we thank you for this season of Lent in which we can grow deeper and wrestle with important questions about identity and purpose. As Jesus was true to his calling, help us, O oh Lord. Help us to become all that you call us to do and be in this world as your beloved children. Give us your grace, comfort us when we struggle, and strengthen us on the path you set before us. Through Christ our Lord we pray, amen.